Welcome to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. In this ever-changing world, it's essential to prioritize our children's emotional well-being. Lynn can show you how to learn and model healthy emotional habits for your loved ones and become a rock-solid support system for your family. Now, here's your host. Hello to each and every one of you as we continue to welcome experts in the field of children's emotional well-being. We appreciate you joining us today. Our last guest was Dr. Anna Esperham, a nationally recognized pediatrician who works with children and youth who have anxiety, ADHD, are sleep deprived, or have chronic pain. She walked us through how we can all use the technique of tapping to calm ourselves, acupuncture or acupressure, and yes, children can use self-hypnosis, the power of breathing, distracting techniques, and nutrition. We have so many concrete tips and tools packed into that hour if you missed it. You can tune in anytime at your own convenience. Now, I am beyond excited. I actually had to look up some synonyms today. I am pumped up. I am worked up to be speaking with our guest today, today, Jody Nolan. Thank you, Lynn. I am very, very excited to be here as well. Oh, wow. Let me start with your intro. Jody's always been drawn to nature, wellness, travel, people, books, fitness, teaching, and learning about healthy living practices for all beings and our planet Earth. University courses such as transpersonal psychology, introduction to yoga, were invaluable to her growth, expanded her mind and sensitivity, decreased stress, and increased feelings of calmness and happiness, something every single one of us long to have. These personal changes amazed Jody and inspired her to have a lifelong love of mindfulness with continued learning through mindful schools courses and personal reading. Jody's an educator for over 25 years, now on a special assignment for student well-being, which continues to be an incredible and rewarding journey. Integrated mental health strategies are synonymous with the well-being of students and the school community. She's dedicated and committed to the social, emotional, and academic growth and development of all of our students. We have so much to talk about. I am just, oh, let's just jump right in, Jody. All right, thank you so much, Lynn. Now, what led you to the work that you're doing today to help educators cultivate that calm and focus within themselves and their students? So I think that I'm going to step back about 30 years. Um, I was in my early 20s and my, my own life, there, I'd gone through a lot of challenges and changes. And I, I didn't know my birth dad. My, my mom had a rough go, but she persevered through um, years of difficulty, she remarried, and then my stepdad passed away unexpectedly. She was only 26, but I was four and a half at the time. My brother was 11 months. Yes, and then she did remarry again. My brother and I were adopted by our, our third stepdad. And then when I was 15, they were in a head-on collision with a drunk driver. Again, our lives were thrown upside down. So um, my mom did remarry a fourth time, you know, they lived through the accident, but my stepdad at the time suffered a lot of injuries and passed away a few years later. So um, there was a lot of changes, a lot of challenges in my life growing up, but I always felt like a really resilient person. I loved school. I excelled at school. I played sports. I had a great social network. I was a really happy person and proud of myself to be able to kind of go through these experiences and come out the other end. Okay. Then I was in university. I was about 22 years old. And I remember I was living on my own, working a couple of jobs, and I was just starting to feel anxious and stressed all the time. And this was new to me. 
I, I remember specifically raising my hands in class to answer a question and having butterflies. Mm. And I thought this is not okay. Like I just had this constant low grade stress and anxiety, this low grade fight flight going on in the background, which I think nowadays, many of the listeners will be able to relate to, especially post COVID. So here I am a young, uh, 20 something feeling this. And a friend of mine said, you know, take the class transpersonal psychology. And I was actively looking, how can I lower my stress? Like I need to lower my stress levels. So I took this great course at the University of Windsor with Dr. Holland, and we learned mindfulness, which was pretty new at the time. We learned many different strategies. And he told us, he said, if you practice these very simple strategies morning and night, you are going to feel calmer. You're going to feel happier. You are going to be able to sleep better. And I said, great, I am all in. I did the practices. I did the readings. I did the journaling and I felt nothing for a week, for two weeks, but at the three and a half week marker, I remember going into another class to do a presentation at this time. My hand would shake. I would have butterflies. Even my entire mouth and throat would go dry. It was a crazy experience. I got up to present after three and a half weeks of practicing these mindfulness strategies. I expected the nurse to come and nothing happened. I was calm. I was confident. I I couldn't even believe it. It blew my mind. I went back to my professor and I said, how, how can these simple strategies change my internal landscape so much? And he really explained it to me from a neuroscience and neurobiological perspective. He said, Jody, all mammals must move between the two parts of the autonomic nervous system seamlessly each day. You know, for listeners that have a cat at home, Think about your cat sitting on the back of the couch, eyes half closed, or a dog staring into the room. They're not asleep, but they're deeply relaxed. They are just being. And he explained to me, that's that parasympathetic rest and digest brake pedal part of the nervous system. You are all sympathetic branch. You are all gas pedal. Go, 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 go for months. This regulated, dysregulated your nervous system. So whenever a stress would pop up in your life, your body would go into extreme fight flight. From practicing these mindfulness strategies for three and a half weeks, I was able to regulate my nervous system, which kind of put me in, they call it the window of tolerance. This ideal space where I was very resilient now to any stress that happened. You know, when your nervous system is regulated and you feel calm and happy the majority of the time, that that's the best athlete. That's the best student. You're going to be your best self. And so just having this experience, well, after that, I was sold. I said, this is going to be my life. He said, you have to go to California. It's the only place it's happening. <laughs> I was, you know, a poor student at the time, struggling to get by. Didn't see how that could happen, but I kept studying. I kept learning through the years. I did my yoga teacher trainer. I signed up for courses with mindful schools. And these strategies are something that I've shared with my students throughout my teaching career. And I'm going to tell you, Lynn, I love teaching all curriculum. This curriculum, this formal mindfulness curriculum is the most effective and empowering thing I've ever taught students. I've watched kids transform using these strategies. And I had the pleasure of seeing you as a teacher several years back in your classroom and was blown away at that time. I just want to take a step back because the trauma that you experienced as a child, Jody, my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, thank you for exposing that, that vol- be- becoming vulnerable with us. And, and then the test really that made you say, this is, wow, something's up. 
Let's jump into the research, Jody. Um, the pioneering work of John Cabotson is behind a lot of this, isn't it? 100%. So John Cabotson is a PhD uh, professor of medicine at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, where he founded this world-renowned mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR for short. Uh, they have a clinic there. And this curriculum I'm using has come out of his work. And, and John did his doctoral work in molecular biology at MIT. Um, he has authored 15 books, and he, they're in print in more than 45 languages now. Uh, his most recent is Mindfulness Meditation for Pain Relief, which just came out in April 2023. And he's the author of tons of research papers. He was very research-driven. And what I learned early on was that he worked with patients with high anxiety that had suicidal tendencies, and he was very successful using Western um, like medicine practices, but he would have a small group that relapsed. So he started bringing in kind of these like um, practices from wisdom traditions globally. And what he did though, he, he did it in a very secular way. He brought in some breathing. He brought in the present moment awareness. He, and he studied what is happening in the brain when we do this. And you know, Lynn, we have 40 years of science now, brain science about on mindfulness, the neuroscience and learning. And what they found that with a mindfulness practice, it's associated with increased gray matter in the insula, which is a part of the brain that plays a big role in self-awareness, empathy and emotions, the hippocampus, learning and memory. And this inhibits that fight or flight response, prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for our executive functioning, attention control, the part of the brain most associated with maturity, including regulating our emotions and behaviors and making decisions. So, and what I love about this curriculum is we teach kids the brain science, like why you stress over what you're stressing over, why we think the way we think, why you can have a really great thing coming up. And then you start to think of all the things that can go wrong from like uh, perspective of we inherited these brains from our hunter gatherer ancestors, right? They haven't, the brain hasn't changed much, but society sure has changed. So when kids start to learn like how their brains work and why they work a certain way and learn these simple strategies that can help alter our thinking and help us to feel calm and reduce that anxiety. It's just really, really empowering. Well, and it puts aside the, oh, something's wrong with me piece. They, uh, they understand, right? It's, it's so important. It's funny you say that because many students, so I did uh, our pilot project, as you know, this role is brand new with the school board. And I started last spring from mid-April to mid-June. I shared the uh, introduction to mindfulness lessons with over 3,000 students. And then, you know, I put together, I said, we're going to do an eight-week pilot project. So the curriculum has 500 pages, 24 lessons, grades 6 to 12, 20 lessons, kindergarten to 5. I picked the, the, the core eight lessons. And I would go into the classroom, teach a lesson, give the kids a strategy and a tool to practice for a week. And then I would go back the next week. How did it go? What was easy? What was challenging? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? New lesson, new brain science, new tool to use. And out after the eight weeks, so many students had missed. I'm just happy to know other people worry and stress the way I do, or, or it's not my fault yeah. that I focus on the negative stuff. That is how my brain works, right? We talked about the negativity bias and we can go into that, Lynn, if we visit that first lesson too today. 
Oh, we will in just, All right. just a moment. So I, I just, I looked at the curriculum and blow me away. Not only are there like virtual videos, there's a, there's a YouTube site, there's lesson plans, there's, there's parent caregiver handouts when for the grade nine to 12, at least. When I think about K to 12, you're talking about five, you know, age five, all the way to 18, 19, you know, in special education up to 21. How does the strategy change when you teach it to a five-year-old as opposed to an 18-year-old? Well, when I go into a kindergarten room, we are going to do some movement with music and we're going to do some breathing strategies and we're going to keep it fun and simple and easy and relatable for that age group. And when you go into a grade 12 classroom or when I'm working with adults, I'm going to really dive into the brain science. What's happening when we do this practice? How is this changing my brain? And why am I going to feel these benefits if I continue the practices? And also, what are the challenges and what might come up for me? And I just want to clarify right now, because there's a lot of misconception about mindfulness. Mindfulness means maintaining a present moment awareness of our thoughts, our feelings, our body sensations, or the surrounding environment. And it also includes, and this is key, this idea of heartfulness. So as we're paying attention in the moment, we are intentionally nurturing positive states of mind, such as kindness and compassion. And what I love about it is that it is accessible to all students. Doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the demographic, it doesn't matter what their academic um, performance or potential is. Anyone can do these practices because they're so simple. It is just sitting, focusing and breathing. And Lynn, if you like, I would love to take our listeners through a couple minute mindful breathing practice. I would love to. And I want to add in it. It's just not about students. It's every single educator, whether you're a support staff, a secretary in a school, custodian, a teacher, a principal, a vice principal. This is something that will serve all of us well if we practice it and make it part of our routines. Yeah, Yeah. I'd love to. Let's do it. Okay. So we are going to move into a just a little mindful breathing practice. So the first thing I want to tell our listeners is your body and your posture really matters. Paying attention is a physical task. So we want to sit upright, but not up tight. We want to relax the shoulders down, bring ease to the neck muscles, soften the face, and just bring your hand to your stomach. I'm going to ring a chime. I use this little tool with my students as well. As you bring your hand to your stomach, begin to notice the breath. As we inhale, we feel that stomach expand. As we exhale, we feel the stomach contract. Just take a deep breath in and out. And bring your hands up to your chest, to your lung area. And see if you can feel the chest gently rise and fall with the breath. The lungs are expanding and contracting with each inhale. And for some of us that might be struggling to feel our breath, to feel the air move in and out, it's normal. We're spending 90% of our days from the chin up, thinking, thinking. So we're going to bring our hand under our nose and just notice Cool air goes in and warm air comes out. Our body warms the air as we breathe. And if you can feel your breath, you're going to take your hand away. And you're just going to follow that air flowing in the nose, down the nasal passage, into the chest and belly, 
and just be aware of the sensation of breath and the body sitting there. You may have a lot of thoughts and that's okay. That's normal. And we can imagine kind of highlighting those thoughts that are popping up. And I like to pretend to kind of put it on a shelf and tell myself, I'm going to think about that later. Nudge my attention back to my breathing. And we would do this for two or three minutes or as long as we need to start to feel a little bit calmer. Now, as we end this mindful breathing practice, I'm going to ring the chime again. Let's listen to the sound from the beginning all the way to the end. And when the sound stops, we'll gently blink our eyes open if they're closed or take the gaze up. And that is as simple as it is, Lynn. You oh, know? wow. You know, I thought I was pretty, actually, I will disclose to everybody. I told Jody before we were about to record that I think I had too much coffee today, <laughs> but that certainly was very, very calming. And I have to tell you, I've, you know, I've practiced a lot of different breathing techniques, but I've never, ever uh, had the one where you put your hand underneath your nose and feel the breath coming in and out. That is very powerful. Yeah. And I started doing that because as I go into classrooms, every room I'm in, some kids or grownups say, I, what are you talking about? I can't feel the air flowing in and out. And it just made me realize we're losing the mind-body connection. We're so cerebral. We're thinking, thinking, thinking. We're living literally from the chin up, you know, looking outward on our phones and devices and so distracted that we forget to connect with the body. So as we move into our break, please stay with us. We're going to learn more from Jody about why this is so powerful in classrooms for educators, for adults, for students, and move into a lesson called What's Your Superpower? We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Our kids today face a world that's different from what we experienced. The pressures they encounter are unique, and they need a fresh approach. But fear not, we're here to guide us all towards a brighter future. Join us and schedule Heart Matters, embracing emotional health for all, and uncover answers and proven strategies that work for our children's sake. It's more than an event. It's a catalyst for change. We delve deep into what being emotionally well truly means. It's more than just being happy or stress-free. It's about developing resilience, empathy, self-awareness, and more. Discover how normalizing emotions and modeling for our children will empower us all to build healthy relationships. You'll have the opportunity to engage with renowned experts in mental health and education as they share their invaluable knowledge and practical insights. But that's not all. We'll provide you with a wealth of resources. Whether you're interested in scheduling an in-person or virtual event, Heart Matters is designed as an interactive session to accommodate the needs of your school or community. Let's shape a future where emotional well-being is prioritized and our children thrive in loving and supportive environments. Discover the answers and act now for our children's sake. Email Lynn at lynnmclaughlin.com to start the conversation. Receive your free proposal and book your date. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. Have a question for Lynn or her guests? Join us on the show 
at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now, back to the show. And we're back from break with Jody Nolan, who is on a special assignment for student well-being with the public school board having over 35,000 students. And now we're going to jump in and talk about why this is so important to every educator, adults, and students. Jody, Well-being is essential for optimal teaching and learning. And we know mental health impacts uh, students' availability for learning in the classroom and engagement at school. So as an educator, we're not mental health experts, but we can help promote positive mental health. And Lynn, as you're saying, like many educators are experiencing this constant low-grade stress and anxiety on the daily. So these mindfulness practices and the social emotional learning, they're backed by science. They can really help us as educators and they can really help to improve the overall mental health and well-being for our students. School mental health, as you're saying, is a fabulous resource. And the resource I often use too comes from mindful schools. That's the the bulk of the curriculum I'm using for these formal lessons. But teachers and parents, even if you never teach your children these strategies, just learning them for yourself is going to have so many benefits. If I'm an educator and I'm calm and I'm grounded and I'm centered, when my kids come in as mammals, they're going to start to attenuate to my system. Wolves do it too. You know, if I'm calm and relaxed, uh, they're going to start to feel more calm and learning ready to learn. We already did one mindfulness uh, activity just before the break, but let's jump into a lesson. What's your superpower? (laughs) Okay. So this is kind of just a fun thing I came up with because kids love superheroes and superpowers. But uh, the first formal lesson on mindfulness is really... um, an introduction to the practice of paying attention on purpose to the present moment. So we explore what it's like to pay attention and notice when our minds wander. We talk about our physical posture and how our bodies can help support us when we're paying attention where we want to focus. You know, and I love this. So when I'm with high school students, I'll say, everybody freeze. Look at your posture right now, right? Are you laying on the desk? Are your head down on your phone? What's happening? And even think to yourself, am I, am I comfortable in my body, how I'm sitting? Now put everything away. We're going to sit upright, put those feet on the ground, take a deep breath in, look at me and think about what I'm saying. Who feels like they're already paying better attention? The hands go up in the room. And I say, listen, mindfulness can help us with so many things, but I first want to explore why we might want to learn about mindfulness in the first place. Raise your hand if you've ever been reading a book. You get to the bottom of a page, you realize you haven't even read any of the words. Or you're doing your homework and you realize you just keep reading that same paragraph over and over. This is your mind wandering. Who has trouble sleeping at night? Because your mind is busy and the body's restless, right? Who has noticed your mind wandering in class? You're watching your teacher. You're engaged. It's a great lesson. Suddenly she calls on you or he calls on you and you realize Uh looking out the window and I'm not focused, right? Who in the room has had a full argument in your head with someone who actually wasn't present? This (laughs) is mind wandering. Or even before you get out of the shower, you think to yourself, did I shampoo my hair or not? Right? Or we're constantly refreshing those um, social media feeds. The second after you put your phone down, thinking something new might be there. These are all examples of our minds wandering and getting distracted. We've all experienced how hard it can be to pay attention. 
everything we're doing in society, being so busy in our day and overbooked. And then if you spend a couple hours on a screen, you're training your brain to jump around. We are literally training ourselves to have ADHD. And this is a real problem in our classrooms with learning today. But we know what it feels like to focus. And you know, when I ask students, I want you to think of a time you're so focused. It's like you are in the zone. And they'll say, you know, the athletes right away will say, miss, I feel like that when I'm in the net and that puck's coming at me. Like I am so focused. It is like time stands still. The artist, when I'm creating, when I'm painting, I feel that. The readers, when I'm reading a great book, you know, and then our nature lovers. And this is me when I'm in nature, when I'm with Mm -hmm. animals, I feel so present. And it it is like, I'm just really, really focused in the moment. Great. And how do we feel when we're in those states? Well, we feel calm we feel happy, we feel better. So mindfulness is the ability to pay attention to a task, to a conversation, to the environment. And it's a really important part of our lives. Um, So fundamentally, we're going to learn how to pay attention. And as I set up for this first practice, this first lesson, we talk about what makes it so hard to pay attention, what kind of things pull our attention away from what we're doing, and why we're sometimes able to be super focused and enjoy what we're doing. Our minds can wander a lot, and it really is true. We haven't taught them how to rest and stay with one single thing, right? All that stuff we're doing is training them to jump around. There's an incredible research study from 2010, and this is in the Mindful Schools curriculum first lesson. Uh, They had 2,000 adults, and they gave them random notifications on their phone 10 times a day. Each time they got a notification, they had to answer three questions. What are you doing right now? How are you feeling right now? Are you thinking about the task at hand? So they're trying to assess mind wandering. What would be your guess, Lynn, for the percentage of time that people reported they were thinking of the thing they're doing? Oh, 10? That's, I guess, 20. (laughs) Actually, it was 50% of the time. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It surprised me, too. I thought this is great. But then I started to think, wait a minute. That's half our day, half our lives. Mm-hmm. We are not paying attention. We're not present with family and friends. We're not working on the things we need to do with integrity, right? And care. So the researchers actually called this, they coined the term continuous partial attention, constantly dividing our attention instead of focusing on one thing at a time. So with mindfulness, we practice paying attention to one thing. This means we get a little better at paying attention. Each time you practice paying attention to something, your breath, sounds around you, sensations in your body, those neural networks in the brain responsible for paying attention get activated. And this is great. And what it means is the next time you need to pay attention to a friend's conversation, to your parents, to your teacher, those neurons are going to be able to fire a little bit faster. And you're going to develop that skill to pay attention. But remember the other question they asked these participants, how are you feeling right now? And this really struck me. They found that people were happiest. They felt the calmest. They felt the best when they were thinking about the task at hand. Even if it was a mundane household chore, emptying the dishwasher, cleaning the cat box, something they didn't like. If they were focused on what they were doing, they felt happier and calmer. The researchers actually called the study a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. 
Oh, wow. So as I set up for our first lesson, I remind my students, you know, mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening right now in a kind and curious way. We're going to notice our thoughts, emotions, sensations, people, and the environment around us. But we are going to use a superpower. And the superpower we are going to use when we practice mindfulness is called non-reactivity. And I mm. take this to a real extreme degree when we practice. So I say, okay, we're going to change the environment. We're going to sit on the floor or in our chair, push it away from the desk, or if I have a mature group, on the desk. Nothing in our hands. As we move into a quiet and calm body, a mindful body is more quiet and more calm, but I always ask, who has to wiggle? right? That's not going to be supportive for every student <laughs> or adult. And I give them a little strategy. You can wiggle your toes. You can tap one finger to your thumb as we do this. If you need to wiggle because it's silent, it's respectful to the classmate beside you. It's not going to make noise, but we're going to practice non-reactivity. So as we move into our mindful body, we're upright, but we're not uptight. We're calm. We're quiet. There's always distractions. The announcements come on. We're going to notice it, but we're not going to, we're not going to react to it. We're going to use the superpower non-reactivity because if you can really learn this superpower, you will have a peaceful and more productive life. If somebody knocks on the door, I'm going to challenge you not to turn and look. Mm -hmm. Even if you have an itch on your left knee, I'm going to challenge you not to scratch it. You know, and then, <laughs> now I'm itching everywhere, miss. Why did you say that? So <laughs> I get, I let them wiggle and move and settle in. And then uh, we move into that, the, a body scan usually right there, just feeling the feet on the floor, noticing sensations in the body, checking in with our stomachs. Can we feel our heartbeat relaxing and releasing any stress and tension in the neck? And uh, every time I do it, you know, I'll say, okay, who feels even a little bit more calm just after a few minutes of sitting and being present and breathing. 90% of the kids will put their hand up and then I'll say, who feels exactly the same? A few will always put their hands up and I remind them, you know, it took me three and a half weeks to really feel the benefits. And I always ask who feels super agitated and annoyed. Like we could have been doing way more productive things because I always have that person <laughs> in the room too, right? We have yeah. so much resistance because we are addicted to the go, go, go. And yes. we're not used, like this is such a strange practice for many of us because we're not used to just sitting and being and checking in with ourselves. Wow. Okay. So that's one example of the superpower lesson you you've done. Uh, you collected data of the, all the classes you've been in so far. And if you would just briefly share the results. Yeah, absolutely. So what we did was I put together a pilot project, eight weeks. I visited kindergarten, grade one, two, three, four, eight, uh, 10, 11, 12 steps, class gains classes. So every class in our, in our system, so just to, just to explain, because uh, this is going out to 140 different countries worldwide, those okay. are self-contained special education classes with, for students with very, very complex needs. Thank you, Lynn. Okay. So all together, we had 10 schools participate, all grades, 56 teachers, over 1,300 students. I collected data from over 700 students. So my grade six to 12, we did a little online survey asking a few questions about their perceived ability to regulate their attention and their perceived ability to manage their emotions and um, stress level as well. So I did a separate survey for the teachers. Grade three to five, we collected little exit uh, paper tickets asking the same stuff. So my teachers in general, do you think mindfulness lessons, tools, practices help to decrease your 
personal overall daily stress anxiety in the classroom, 95% of my 56 teachers said yes. They felt an overall reduction in personal stress. And then uh, we asked our teachers, do you think of those students who did the practices on a regular basis, do you think it helped to decrease your students' level of stress and anxiety in the classroom? 96% of teachers felt Yes, students who practiced did have visible decreased stress. Which means improved learning conditions. Wow. Absolutely. And then 94% of the teachers reported, uh, yeah, students who are practicing, I have noticed better ability to self-regulate their attention and focus at school. And 84% of teachers reported those students who practice mindfulness definitely had a better ability to regulate emotions at school. 100% of teachers felt these lessons were beneficial, worthwhile lessons for students and teachers to learn. And when I turned to the student data, it was really great as well. I was so excited about this. And this mirrors what has been found in the last 40 years all through the states and in Canada as well. But I asked students, if you've been practicing, do you think the mindfulness lessons and tools improved your ability to focus? 82% of the students felt that it had 72 said it improved their ability to cope with emotions. And when I looked at like who's practicing versus, you know, didn't really have the buy-in or want to practice. And even that stat, I was so happy with 71% approximately reported that they did practice the mindfulness tools and strategies taught and 29 said they did not which, and it was, the kids are awesome. Like I also had the spot for anecdotal comments, you know, and some kids wrote, miss, I, it probably would really help me. I'm just too lazy to do the practices. (laughs) And this is eight weeks. This is an eight week pilot. If there's just something that we're ingrained throughout the entire school year, the power of that is just, it's just, it blows my mind. Yeah. I, I think the key, like that learning about that distractibility piece and then starting to tune into our thoughts. Like this is a whole nother foundational lesson. I say to kids, do you even know like how many thoughts you have in a day? Lynn, what do you think the research says? Any idea how many thoughts human beings have in a day? A hundred thousand. Okay. 50 to 70,000 thoughts. Okay. (laughs) You're right on track. You had the right idea. And what are these thoughts? Like this is our self-talk and this is one of the best lessons that I learned personally, what are we saying to ourselves all day? So a challenge that I come across, people will say, miss, I can't do mindfulness. I have way too many thoughts. And I say, no, if you are aware of your thoughts, you'll, you're practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah. Then you, you're, you know, if it's just present moment awareness, it's noticing what's happening. So where does my mind go? For many of us, we love mental time travel. We, we move to the future and we pre-live events that are coming up. Or we travel to the past and we relive things that have happened. And sadly, often we're reliving like shameful or embarrassing moments. And those are the things that stick. And kids will say, why? Why is it I can be looking forward to something coming up and I start to think of all the things that can go wrong. And I say, guess what? It's not your fault. We have a whole lesson on it. (laughs) If a hunter-gatherer ancestor saw a giant pile of dead branches and they thought a poisonous snake was in there, they survived. Our ancestors had to be vigilant. They were on the lookout day and night for dangers and threats. Their brains were finely tuned to find the negatives, to focus on the negatives. And while this was a fabulous strategy for survival for our hunter-gatherer ancestors, it does not serve us in today's world. And I think Rick Hansen was the psychologist who coined the term negativity bias. And I joke with the kids. I say, those happy-go-lucky cave people, they were eaten. 
they didn't live. We are all literal descendants <laughs> from people that had this hardwired negative outlook. And this is why, so they say, like in Hansen's research, he says, the negative stuff sticks like Velcro. The positive slides away, like that egg out of a frying pan, like a puck across the ice, right? So we want to make the positive stick. How do we do that? And this is where all that, that gratitude movement, having a gratitude journal, writing what you're grateful for, this is where that came from, this brain science. And, and what the psychologists and social scientists found, if you can savor the good stuff for 20 seconds, you change those pathways. So that good stuff becomes a little louder. Now, if you are an educator, oh my goodness, you've gotten so much from this so far today. But after break, September's not that far away. We're in the middle of July and it's going to be here before you know it. How do you want the school start the school year off in a positive way? to establish the groundwork for a calm, caring classroom that has reductions in stress, enhanced attention, and it fosters resilience. Jody's going to tell us how. We'll be back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Our children are growing up in a world that is more complex than ever. It's time to start thinking proactively. Meet Zerko and the children who glow in the color they are feeling because they haven't learned to control their emotions yet. In the Power of Thought Children's series, we're not only teaching children about emotional vocabulary, but how to recognize how they are feeling and what they can do about it. We live on an imaginary planet called Tezra, where every character is named after a crystal. Each of the five books in the series takes children into a situation they can relate to, but teaches problem-solving skills and evidence-based strategies they can use for life. This series was developed in collaboration with clinicians, educators, parents, and guardians, and it's the winner of the Mom's Choice Award. Check it out at lynnmclaughlin.com under the Books tab. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Taking the Helm with Lynn McLaughlin. Have a question for Lynn or her guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now, back to the show. We are back with Jody Nolan. We have learned so much so far. We've practiced a mindfulness activity, talked about a really critical lesson that she gives to for, for students all the way from kindergarten to grade eight. What's your superpower? Now we're going to jump in. Why is this so important to educators as we're about to venture off into a new school year, Jody? You know, we know uh, stats are coming out. Educator burnout is close to uh, 50%. This is an American stat of educators leaving the profession within the first five years. And I have run into three, just in the last week, three brand new teachers who are reconsidering whether or not this is a profession they want to do. So fact here, right in our own location, in our own hometown. Lynn, I'm seeing it to colleagues of mine. I have five years left to retirement and several of my colleagues have already retired. They're stepping away. People are walking around with this low grade stress response and we haven't 
been educated in sufficient training in terms how to manage our own stress, how to engage students dealing with anxiety, or how to help students manage their stress so they are ready and able to learn in the classroom. You know, mindfulness can help us. Um, that learning readiness, that toxic stress directly impacts student aptitude and regulation. When we can calm down, we can think clearly. This reduced attention spans, the cultural forces and dealing with the, the pandemic and so many students staring at a screen, it, it is eroding our attentiveness. What are the benefits of mindfulness? The three main things, cognitive outcomes, better focus and concentration, social emotional skills, improved self-regulation, as well as compassionate attitudes and behavior, well-being, decreased stress and anxiety and depression. So educators, this is what I'm gonna recommend. Learn it for yourself. If you can, if you have the time, go to Mindful Schools, take their 101 Foundations of Mindfulness. Also, this work from John Kabat-Zinn, all the Fortune 500 companies put their employees through that mindfulness-based stress reduction. So if you're not an educator, that's an amazing course that you can take. I found free versions of this course online. And as an educator, what I'm going to definitely direct you to is the School Mental Health Ontario resources. This website is fabulous. You know, it doesn't necessarily include all of the brain science, but it has all the practices. And mindfulness really is 99% practice, 1% learning about the, the brain science. Mm -hmm. So School Mental Health Ontario offers free lesson plans. An obstacle is they are a lot to read through. As an educator, we are busy. We want to have something in our hands and know in 20 seconds we can implement it. But I urge you, print off a lesson, sit at home over the summer, you know, have your tea, sit by the pool, and read through one lesson. Lesson plans go from kindergarten up to grade 12. There are grab-and-go strategies. One thing I really love is the mood meter. Because how do we expect students to regulate their emotion if they cannot even identify it? So mm -hmm. greet those students at the door every day. Welcome them. Make them feel like you are excited to see them. Really start to work on your connection and bond with your students. Check in. I love the mood meter from School Mental Health because it says, you know, is your energy high? I love the thumb dial. How are you feeling today? Give me a thumbs up. Anybody so-so sideways? Feeling crummy? Thumb down. We can have the whole range of human emotions in one classroom at a time. For the littles, I love the check-in. If your emotions were the weather, what would your internal weather report be today? Or if how you felt was an animal, what animal would you be? You know, you'll get the sloths for sure. And then you'll get your kangaroos and, <laughs> and rabbits. And no, but um, these lesson plans, they have a minds on activity. There is um, an act, active component. Like they have a whole series of six virtual field trips for stress management and coping. Minds on activity. The virtual field trip is a teacher from Ophia teaching the specific mindfulness and social emotional learning strategies that I use. And then also a consolidation. But I love, love their new series. They have a whole mental health uh, lit package. And these lessons are grade 9 to 12. They're fabulous. And working with uh, the public board here in our area, we're looking at um, repackaging them in as online modules. Click and play for teachers. So that's one of my projects for September, uh, aside from my working through with the schools. I want to throw out an idea. I just, it just came to mind, right? The collaboration piece. You know, we have book talks. Not a lot of teachers, a lot of parents in book talks. Have six people in your book talk, six different people. They each study one of the lessons and you do a talk and share. Wow. 
I love it. I love it. That would be fabulous. And we're not I, on our own, right? We're, we yeah. were, yeah, teamwork. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, these lessons, they're pre-made. They are ready to go. Every single thing you need is in the appendix. So you're not creating anything. You're not reinventing the wheel. The lessons are there. It's just reading through them, orienting yourself to the layout. And I love the supports that are in place. If you're struggling as an educator, here's links to help you. If, you know, I love to the lessons are all trauma sensitive, very diverse and inclusive. So they meet uh, the goals of our board today. Uh, to meet the needs of all learners, right? They are, they're available to anyone worldwide for free. Yeah. So the mindfulness school curriculum is a little bit different. You have to take the courses, you take the 101 foundations of mindfulness, learn the strategies for yourself. And then if you move into 201 is uh, mindfulness in the classroom, then you gain that whole big 500 page curriculum that I use. But School Mental Health Ontario, all their resources online are free. There's great parent links for support. If you have a child that's dealing with anxiety at home, things that you can do at home to help them. And the tools and strategies you want to practice when we're feeling neutral, when we're feeling good, when the kids learn, and it is the daily practice that's going to cause, like, have you feel the benefits. Daily practice will change that brain. If we say here, I want you to go breathe when a kid's in a really heightened emotion, it's not going to work. If we have time, Lynn, I'm going to share a super quick story. A seven-year-old I had in my grade one, two split class. Absolutely. Okay. This little guy was really, really reactive. He had big feels when he was upset. He would cry. We would all know when he was angry, it was volcano explosion in the room, but he loved mindfulness. He practiced every single day. And I, it was just the year last year before I moved into the role, we practiced from September every day, two minutes of mindfulness. When we come in from recess, a couple minutes of mindfulness, if we're too wired and we need to calm and refocus our attention in the class. So, and the kids will tell me, miss, I have to do mindfulness today. I miss the bus again. My mom was yelling at me and I'm not feeling good. All right. We're starting our day with mindfulness. They will guide you. They will tell you. I even have my students lead it. We write the script on the chart paper. They'll say mindful bodies on. Um, anyway, so we practice every day. This little guy comes in from recess in April and he's crying. And he said, oh, I, I said, okay, name it to tame it, right? I worked on that emotional vocabulary all year. He said, Mrs. Nolan, I am angry, frustrated, sad. I feel rejected. Okay, Beautiful. what happened? He said, I was at, out at recess with my best friend playing soccer. Nobody kicked past the ball to me. I ran up and down the field the whole time. So he's really upset. I said, okay, what tool are you going to use? And every time we teach a tool, we post it on the bulletin board in a toolbox or in a mindful backpack, right? You can set up anything you want to do with your class. Let them choose. These are our tools to help us every day at school. So he said, I'm going to go deep belly breathe. Then we're going to talk to his best friend who he was playing soccer with. He was quite angry at in the hallway to do reconciliation. I said, absolutely. We will go belly breathe, calm your big wave of emotion. I'll, I'll connect with you. I got my class going with lit circles and doing our, our daily five activity, maybe six minutes. I circle back around to him and I said, okay, do you want me to pull your friend out? We'll have a little chat in the hall. And he said, nah. I said, what? He said, deep belly breathing, calm my emotion. I feel back to normal. And I solved my problem. Next time I'm going to play with people who include me. I'm not going to waste my time oh. running up and down the field. You know, and if, if we didn't have these tools in place, that would be a good 10 minutes in the hallway, you know, sorting this out with the students. I did circle around to the best friend who was teary. And he said, I tried to pass on the soccer ball, 
ball four times, but the bigger kids were playing with us and they intercepted it. They got it. I said, it's all perspective. Invite them to do a non-athletic activity, read with them later. You know, in 10 minutes, they were reading buddies, laughing and, and back together again. And what's so powerful about it is they're solving the problems themselves too. They're not coming to you as an educator and saying, help me, help me. This happened. Solve my problem. It's what I love most about it, Lynn. And it's what Um, I found personally. I still get angry. I still feel sad. Of course. I never get swept away with the emotion. Mm -hmm. You know, you you learn, I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions. These things come and they go and I can watch them. I can notice. And so with the young children and old students, older students, I say, where do you feel the emotion in your body? So you're going to name it to tame it. This is a great strategy, teachers. And where do you feel it? Why? I just got a really mean text. My heart's pounding. You know, we teach, yeah, that's that old reptilian brain thinking you have a real threat to your life. Saber two tigers coming. It doesn't know it's a mean text message or you're in trouble from your parent or teacher. Heart's pounding to send blood to the muscles to fight or flight. So we're going to breathe and we're going to start to calm our system down. And then when we're regulated, we can solve our problem a lot more thoughtfully, more mindfully. Beautiful. How should my day one or my first 10 days of school look like in September, Jody? Okay. So School Mental Health Ontario has a package called the first 10 days. So I highly recommend to teachers to print that off, crack into it, read it online, get to know it this summer, start your year off with the first 10 days. If that feels overwhelming, no problem. They also have a smaller package called Start Well. It's five days. And I would highly recommend implementing like Mindful Monday. Every Monday, we're going to take one period and we're going to work through these virtual field trips and teachers will say, but I can't do one more thing. And I'm going to say, you don't have to, this is covering all of the learning skills on the report card. This is your curriculum. This is covering the social new social, emotional learning and math. This is covering your health curriculum. And the links to the curriculum are all there for you. The links are there. And if I'm stressed and anxious, I'm not going to be able to learn what you want to teach me. So help me to be learning ready. Let's focus on classroom community, inclusion, helping the kids to feel calm and happy at school, eager and ready to learn. Let's set that. And it's being proactive, right? You take that time in the first month of school, first 10 days of school, first month of school, what it's going to look like. Kids are in a place where they can learn. You are going to see those results. So that hour is nothing in the big picture. Let's, Let's hear directly from the testimonials that you've received. Okay. So students, a a big theme was, miss, I am sleeping for the first time in my life. I used to watch the clock for three hours. I am falling asleep within 10 to 20 minutes. And I asked them, what are you using? I'm using counting breath. I'm using body scan. And now I do the body scan before I would do 10. Now I do one. I don't even get to my feet and I'm asleep. Uh, One teacher told me her whole life, she had struggled to sleep and that this learning, this material and these practices has been completely life-changing. It's the first time in her life as an adult, she falls asleep and stays asleep. Another one students will say to me, miss, it's the first time ever in my life. I read out loud in class and I didn't have butterflies. I they are feeling calmer. They feel happier. And a huge thing is that focus. I can focus a little boy, you know, in a, a class at a, a school where they they're dealing with a lot of challenges. He said, I wasn't sure even if he was really participating, he would often have his head down. And one day I knelt down beside him and I said, how's it going? Like, I think you're really getting into this. He said, it's the first time in my life I've been able to focus on my schoolwork. And I stopped yelling at my mom. My relationship with my mom at home has really improved. Kids are telling me I have less drama. I don't even care about that anymore. 
It's just, I love it so much, like reading these testimonials. And I, I tell kids, if, if you can be aware of your thinking and aware of your emotions, like if you're constantly worrying, like how many of us have been in a bad mood and we didn't even know why? And a lot mm-hmm. of that's your self-talk, you know, and a big message is where your attention goes, your energy flows, and that's what grows in your life. And this is something I told my three boys growing up. If you're focusing on the worries, then it's, that's going to consume us, right? So when we practice paying attention on purpose in the present moment, it's also, we use the term changing the channel. We're learning to change the channel from an unpleasant thing, from that thinking thought and ruminating on that unpleasant thing to something more positive, to savoring those positive things in our life, changing the channel and and changing your focus. Focusing where you want can just help you so much in life. So teachers, learn it for yourself. Um, You work with your students, parents, teachers, kids, go to School Mental Health Ontario. There's live links and websites for, you know, everyone there for free. Check it out. And even if you try it one or two times and think this is silly, don't give up, stick with it. It's that repeated practice day in and day out of these simple, simple tools and strategies that are going to really make a difference in your life. I'm doing a shout out to administrators, school administrators, principals, vice principals. You're looking at suspension, exclusion, expulsion. Uh, Kids were blowing up. Wow. The potential that this has to change that in your school building, in your classrooms with your staff and students is beyond remarkable. It's not the potential. It's happening. It's happening where schools are implementing this. Oh my gosh, Jody, we could, I'm going to have to have you on for another hour. <laughs> I would love that, Lynn. I'm just so happy to get the information out there because people feel helpless. They, and, you know, and just to know like, yeah, I have anxiety or I'm stressed out, but or I'm really reactive and I have all these emotions. There are simple practices that we can do day in and day out that will profoundly change, change how we're feeling and functioning. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to put the uh, all the links to what Jody has re- um, referred to today in the episode description and in her bio. So <laughs> double the money, you'll be able to find it in both places. And, and I'm just so thrilled to have had you today, Jody. Um, it's it's a perfect time for people to be reimagining what the fall can look like as a new start of hope in their classrooms. You know, Lynn, learning these strategies for myself in my early 20s, just it just changed me in so many positive ways. And then as I continued my learning and started to share the strategies with my students and we would practice every day and the benefits I saw in the room, just, it is the most, as I've said, empowering and effective thing that we can teach kids and learn for ourselves. So I dreamed of this role. I just would come home and say to my husband, like, you should see my class now, how amazing they are. I want to go class to class, kindergarten to grade 12. And I want to teach the neuroscience of mindfulness. I want to teach these strategies. I never thought it would happen. I pitched it for over a decade. I was dreaming it. And then they are bored. I am so proud of them and the superintendent that created this role. And last spring, when they posted it, several friends sent me the job application link. And my husband called me and said, Jode, they just created your job. I couldn't even believe it. I was so ecstatic and I applied and I was so grateful uh, to be hired in to this role and to be able to doing this work. This is my passion. This is what I meant to do fully. I feel like I am in sync with um, where I should be in life right now. I have 230 requests for next year. And I think there's like 190 some odd school days. Yep, that's right. School calendar. So you know, the demand is there, but I'm just so proud and thrilled that our board created this role. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, evolving into so much more. Like we were talking earlier, curriculum for all the teachers to learn it for themselves. Let's put it into teacher's college. I would love yes. to teach this course at teacher's college. Um, all the new teacher, new teacher induction program. Maybe we start there. 
high school students asked me many times, Miss, how come this isn't a course that I can sign up for at the high school? So this vision that you and I share, I would love to see this come to, to reality. Yep. Let's fast forward however long it's going to take because change does take time. I know it's been 40 years of research, but you know systems are hard to change. Anywhere in the world where the curriculum can be amended, if this can be considered embedded in it with educator training, absolutely as a priority, imagine the synergy we can create worldwide. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I really appreciate you. And Jody, how can people reach you? I am, you know, I'm not really good at this. I, I, I limit my social media. I'm consciously doing that, but I am on Twitter. I post all my work stuff on Twitter at jnolan6. So you can message me there. And I am definitely going to start, I think, an Instagram, just like Mrs. Nolan's mindfulness, just for work. That's one of my goals this summer to get that up and running and to post some videos so people can try a practice. Well, you know, students inspired me. They're like, Miss, we can't finish eight weeks. How do we find you? Keep Where, going. Yeah. How do we? And I say, you learned it already for yourself. So you're going to keep it going. And they'll say, no, but I like when you guide us. So I, that inspired me to do, I'm mean, definitely get on um, Instagram. That will be coming and I'll, I'll do some guided practices on there for people. Well, and I'll be sharing that for you. No worries. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lynn. All right. Well, next week, Melissa Lyons is going to be joining us. We've all researched nutrition when it comes to our physical needs. Melissa is an award-winning author, speaker, entrepreneur with a specialty in thought nutrition. It's all connected. Let's check our compass and learn what we need to as we empower our children to face the ups and downs of life, which will surely come. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Taking the Helm. We hope that Lynn and her guests have provided valuable insights on how to create a safe emotional space for your children that empowers them to be their best selves. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week.